Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hello everyone and welcome along to Summer Mornings. Julian King with you. Great to have your company wherever you tuned in on SEN 11.70am in Sydney, SEN Q693 in Brisbane, 16.20 on the Gold Coast and across the globe via the SEN app. My open line number, I want to hear from you throughout the course of the morning, one 300 and the text line 0457 736 736. Checking the weather across the listening area today, Sydney, max 27, shower or two, Brisbane, a little bit warmer, max 30, shower or two, so cloudy with some sunny breaks. Sounds like a good name for a weatherman, sunny breaks. And the Gold Coast, max 28, shower or two. On the program today, uh, Scotty Bailey from AAP will be along shortly to chat all things cricket. It's suffice to say, Scotty and Ricky Ponting. So Scotty and RT, I don't know Scotty's middle name, I have to find that out, are on the same page with regards to the wicket at Sydney Showground last night, or the pitch more accurately. I called the game for the network for Dougie Bollinger. Look, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. I'm not prepared to crucify it in the manner which some others are. I don't know if you watched the game last night. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that as well. So Scotty Bailey will be here to chat all things cricket. You know, this opener talk just does not go away. We ran a poll yesterday. 50% of you voted for Cameron Bancroft to replace David Warner. I think Smith was marginal second ahead of Cam Green and then other. And the other suggestions were Matt Renshaw and Marcus Harrison and Joe Healy. I've spoken to Joe for a while. She's going to summarise all the basketball action for us as well. Hutchie's out and about today. He's got a spring in his step because his mighty Perth Wildcats are flying and he's laughing because the Kings are 10 and 10 and now the coach is under pressure. Funny old game. We've got Maestro on the tools today and Two Buck Chuck is here as well. We eagerly await his Golden Globes wrap after that stellar segment uh, yesterday. <laughs> now to cricket. It's interesting. You know, everybody gets asked their opinion. Everyone gets asked their opinion about who should open the batting. And it gives us something to talk about. Matty Hayden, he knows a thing or two about opening the batting for Australia. He says, no, don't move Steve Smith to the top of the order against the West Indies. But who do you reckon he nominates? Just have a think. Have a guess. You know what state Matthew Hayden's from? He says, oh, I think Matt Renshaw should be the man appointed David Warner's successor when selectors unveil the test squad. So the test squad, we believe, we don't know, but are going to be named tonight. That'll be the squad, so we don't know who's actually going to open. So Green's there, so it doesn't actually uh, spell it out any more clearly. The question is, will you see the name C. Bancroft in that squad? So Hayden was speaking as apparently Bancroft's hopes of a test recall grow increasingly unlikely. This is in the Herald. So you've got two non-specialist openers, Green and Smith, emerging as the frontrunners now to partner Usman, following Warner's farewell at the SCG last week. But as I said, Haydos would say that, oh, I think it should go for Matty Renshaw. He's a Queenslander after all. Look, I'm a Renshaw fan. I've been a big Renshaw fan for a long time. And he's young too. 
I reckon his best years, the next five years, could be his best years, Matt Renshaw. But whoever they pick, you back them in. You can't argue the selectors if they do pick Bancroft because sheer weight of numbers. And the thing about it is, and it's not everything, and I've been labouring that point, it's not everything, just shield numbers. And, and Kim Hughes said this, look, shield numbers have to count for something, even though the shield is not what it was because you don't have all the best players playing it all the time. Having said that, if I'm an aspiring Australian cricketer, I need to know what my path into the test team is. I need to have an idea of what I need to do. So if they go, ah, oh, mate, just keep scoring runs, just keep taking wickets. That's almost dismissive, isn't it, from selectors? And they go, well, I do that, and you haven't picked me. So I'm not sure what else I have to do. So I can understand if he doesn't get picked, Cameron Bancroft, and I suspect he won't, I can understand why he would be frustrated. But as of Monday evening, sources close to the Australian team, who re- I love this, who requested anonymity in order to speak freely, said a decision on Warner's replacement and a new squad member would be made Tuesday night, so tonight. And Smith had said, you know what, I'll take one for the team. If you want to put me up the order, I'll, I'll happily do it. Having said that, I mean, you know, Ricky Ponting doesn't like it. Hayden doesn't like it. Pat Cummins doesn't like it. Even Andrew McDonald, we, we played a, a grab from him yesterday. Ronnie, he said, well, you've got to think about his returns at three and four before you consider making a move because you don't want to weaken a strength, a strength and a weakness, as they say. So given that McDonald and Cummins, the captain, are reluctant to move Smith, I'd be stunned if they pick Smith as an open. But I'd be absolutely stunned because he's so valuable in that middle order. But what it tells me about Smith, and we've talked about his decline, and I've talked about his decline, is that you know if he feels like this is what he needs, this move to give him a spark, he's worth sitting down and having the conversation with, I think. And it shows that he, you know, he's, he's a team first kind of guy. But despite the misgivings of Cummins and McDonald, you know, the option of Smith opening the batting is being seriously weighted by selectors. I think they're going to rule it out. The thing about it is, I'll go back to this point. If the majority of the inner sanctum are saying Smith should remain at four, surely the other selectors wouldn't move him there to opener and go against the counsel of the captain as well. Want to hear your thoughts on that? Continue to hear your thoughts on that. 0457 736 736. Last night in the Big Bash, the Scorchers have defeated the Thunder by seven wickets. Uh, All the talk about this pitch, it was slow, it was sticky, it was tacky. They were holding up, they were spitting a mile. 8,672. Look, it was a Monday night, people are back at work. And further to that, there was a threat of rain, so I can understand why it wasn't a massive crowd. Sydney showground. So Thunder 8 for 137. I was in commentary with Doug. I thought, you know, if they bowl well, that's a competitive total. And Ricky Ponting was very scathing of the pitch. And he said, if Tanvi Sanger like, lands the ball in the right spot, he's unplayable. And he, what, none for 14 off forward, bowl beautifully without luck. Very slow deck. Alex Hales, about time they got something off the blade of Alex Hales. He's underperformed in Big Bash 13 for the Thunder. 72 off 55, but he absolutely torched three of his teammates with unnecessary runouts. And the one of Cola Cadmore who came to first drop and finally he saw some runs. 53 run partnership, that was set. And that happened just after the power, after the drinks break, where they called the, the power surge. And it halted all their momentum and then they fell into a heap and they couldn't get it off the square. Ashton Agar, brilliant. Two for six, Ashton Agar, man of the match of four overs, second most economical figures from a four over spell in Big Bash history. Cooper Connolly as well, three for 25. He was on a hat-trick, too, in the final over. And the thing about it is, to give you an indication of how slow this pitch was, Lance Morris, the wild thing, bowled one over. He gets paid the same as the others, doesn't he? What about that? 
You fly on the other side of the country, bowl one over for four runs, don't bat. It's a good gig if you can get it, isn't it? One over. And then in response, the Scorchers, they're just too clinical. They're too professional. Zach Crawley, 58 runs at the top of the order, and then Josh English saw them home, chased the runs down five balls to spare. They just they didn't have to do anything silly on that pitch. Just took, take the ones, and they probably gifted a few too many singles. Basically, it was just run a ball. So it wasn't a thrilling game of cricket by any stretch. But they did enough. And he always felt that 130, what, 137 was a bit short, but defendable, I would have thought, if they bowled well. Zach Crawley, 58 runs at the top. Josh Inglis, quick fire, 26. The beautiful straight hit six at the back end of the game. Nathan McAndrew, a couple of wickets for the home side as well. So, But as I said, Ricky Ponting didn't like it. Scott Bailey, who I'll speak to shortly, didn't like it. He called it substandard, RT Ponting. Maybe suggested, well, how do you entice players to the City Thunder if you're going to play on pitches like that? They're not always like that, to be fair. And no, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. But is it any worse than just a flat pancake road where you stand and deliver nothing for the bowlers. I don't think so. I don't think so. Tonight we've got the Strikers taking on the Hurricanes. What did you make of the pitch last night? What did you think? Not the best, not the worst. Usman Kawaja, by the way, expected to wear his Dove and Olive Branch logo in a match for the first time. That game tomorrow night in the heat, undefeated heat, uh, play at the Gabba. So there's six wins from eight games at the moment with a couple of washouts. And they take on the Scorchers, so that is a top-shelf clash. Kawaja will be back. Manus will be back as well. So I know the ICC banned Usman from wearing that emblem after a series of communications and a reprimand for taking personal messages on the field. The joke that was they couldn't even allow him to have a dove. You can have crucifixes, that's fine. Can't have a dove, apparently. But Cricket Australia's board approved it at an unscheduled meeting before the Boxing Day test. So it's not just the dove logo that he's going to bear, but it also carries a reference to Article 1 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. And this is a cause close to Kawaja's heart, and we know what's happening with the current conflict in Gaza and the rest. So he's actually workshopped the Dove image, Usman, with Nick Hockley, the Cricket Australia CA, and Todd Greenberg, the head of the Cricketers Association. And they gave him the final sign-off. So you're going to see that, the Dove emblem, when Usman trots out for the Brisbane Heat on Wednesday night. And good luck to him. Good luck to him. You know, he's stuck solid to his cause. Now, you know, I, I choked on my Cheerios when I read this. And we're going to hear incessant and endless stories about Sam Kerr. It's devastating news we get that. And I reckon she probably was front runner to be a flag bearer at the Games too. We know that she can't trick the body, as the Daily Telegraph writes, or defy scientific history to regain full fitness and play at the 2024 Paris Games because of the ACL. But there is hope, apparently, that Sam Kerr could play a very specific role. Hear me out, if you haven't read this or heard this. As fans come to term with a long-term injury to Captain Kerr just over six months out from the Olympic Games, Football Australia was quick to highlight that neither her English club Chelsea or the Matildas had officially ruled a 30-year-old out of Paris contention. She cannot play. Ellie Carpenter returned 10 months after a knee reconstruction for the World Cup last year. Kerr would need to be back in action in just over six months or 28 weeks. That would be a medical marvel. A medical marvel. Peter Larkins, respected sports doctor, it's a 9 to 12 month time frame. If she gets back earlier than that, it's most unusual. But it gets better. The small glimmer of hope for Kerr is not that she could play at the Olympics, it's that theoretically she could be physically able to simply take a penalty kick. Are, are we already 
going down this avenue. So Tony Gustafsson, TG, Matilda's coach, showed during last year's World Cup, is willing to risk carrying a player for a specific role, having selected Kaya Simon as a quote-unquote gay changer. I don't think Kaya Simon got on the pitch. The view was she could step up to take a penalty, but a calf injury in camp meant she was never brought on for the shootout against France. Could Sam Kerr, with a perfect recovery timeline, be able to take a spot kick and inspire the Matildas with a bench and camp presence? I wouldn't be surprised if she was sort of brought into, I don't know, you know, these sort of leadership, mentorship kind of roles, I'm not sure. Or maybe it would be a distraction because she can't play. All right, so by that stage, say six months on from the recovery of an ACL, patients are working on directional changes in strength. So Kerb may indeed be capable of stepping up for a one-off shot. Peter Larkin says, the best patients are up and running in a straight line after three months, and three to six months you're doing strength work. I've never done an ACL. If she is just doing the penalty shootout, then it's definitely possible. I don't know how that would work from a qualification requirement. Look, I love Sam Kerr. You love Sam Kerr. We all love Sam Kerr. We'd love for her to feature. But we need to face reality here. She will not. She will not. That is gone. And now you've got to prepare for an Olympic campaign without Sam Kerr. But picking her just to be in a squad, to take a penalty, I mean, please. That is the biggest farce I've read. We're going to have to put up with this tripe for a long, long time, dare I say. And do you remember the 2019 World Cup? A lot of people only jumped on for the 2023 World Cup. Penalty shot. Norway. Missed. So that's the other thing. It's not as though she's a 100% conversion rate. If that's the case and, she, and you're guaranteed to never miss a penalty, you'd go, okay, potentially. But someone with a dicky knee to come on take And then if she misses, then what? Then what? It cannot happen. It will not happen. There's a lot of clutching going on here, big time. Now, the rugby league news. We hardly touched on any rugby league news yesterday. This is interesting. Brisbane Broncos fans. Kevy Walters has revealed Selwyn Cobbo could make a shock positional switch from the wing to the centres to replace the departing Herbie Farnworth. So Cobbo's played most of his three seasons to date on the wing for the Red Hill Club. 37 tries, 49 games. Played for Queensland, playing for Australia. And I love watching him play. This kid, he's, you know, he's strong, he's fast, he's always got a smile on his face. And Herbie Farnworth, who was outstanding for the Broncos last year, that defection to the Dolphin alongside Flegler. Well, that's left a gap at the cent- left a gap at the centres. So Kevy Walters has revealed that Cobbo will be given first crack at that position ahead of the 20-year-old rising star, Dean Mariner. Here's what the Broncos coach had to say. That's the plan, to, to move you in that, into that role. Um, he's probably a bit more natural there in the centres than, than on the wing. and um, So far, he's been really good there. I guess we'll find out more when we start playing and start having to make tackles and do all those things that uh, the great centres do. How's he, how's he looking, Kevin? Like, he's still a young lad. Like, how's, yeah. his, how's his fitness? And no, he's, well, he's, again, he's still only young, Selwyn, so um, still maturing in that space with his uh, fitness levels and his strength. They'll get better as the year goes on, but his footy IQ is very good, very intelligent player, which is uh, you need to be playing those centre roles, particularly defensively, I feel that's where he's going to be a good asset for us with the way he reads the, the, the attack. Nice to have them interviewing Kevy Walters while they're just doing some renos in, in the background. It's funny when he calls him by his first name, Selwyn. <laughs> so you know how certain sports stars are known by the first name, like Hewitt is always just blatant. You know, Federer is always Roger, for example. And Selwyn, you remember that... Aussie pop star Selwyn, maestro. He, he did a cover. He got had a hit with that cover of the Hall and Oates song "Rich Girl." Selwyn, you remember Selwyn? He covered Hall and Oates "Rich Girl," 
and I love Hall of Notes. And I'll get on to splits in a moment. Speaking of splits, Tiger Woods. Now, the brekkie team in Sydney of Trent Copeland and Jaleesa Rapps mentioned this this morning. Tiger Woods, who has worn Nike apparel since first signing with the company as a 20-year-old, has parted ways with a sportswear giant. He said that on social media this morning. 15-time major champion. He's 48 years young now, Tiger. He signed his first five-year $40 million contract, US 40 mil, with Nike. This was in 1996. Won the Masters the following year as a 21-year-old. Renewed it repeatedly in one of the most lucrative endorsement deals in sports history while dominating the game like no other player of his generation. Tiger's last deal was a 10-year pack. That was in 2013, worth a reported $200 million. 200 mil. He's reported to have pocketed as much as $750 million in total from Nike over the past three decades. And apparently it's, a, it's an amicable split. Tiger said, over 27 years, I was fortunate to start a partnership with one of the most iconic brands in the world. The days since have been filled with so many amazing moments and memories. If I started naming them, gone forever. And then its own social media post, Nike showed a picture of a Woods flashing his trademark fist pump and final round red top along with the words, it was a hell of a round, Tiger. And further to that, Nike in a statement, throughout the course of our partnership, we have witnessed along with the rest of the world how Tiger not only redefined the sport of golf, but broke barriers for all sport. That is true. And the ending of that partnership comes after Jason Day announced last week he was leaving Nike for Melbourne. I hadn't heard of Melbourne. That's a luxury golf apparel brand. He's got some pretty suave duds on too, Jason Day. A little baggy and patented. And the funny thing is when Jay Day separated, he sort of fired like a little underhand shot at Nike. So now I can start wearing funkier clothes, essentially. But the most iconic moment, one of the greatest sporting commercials ever, was that Nike ad that basically, and this is the thing, you couldn't write it. Do you remember? So Tiger won... The Masters in 05. It was in a playoff, I think it might have been. Birdie at 16, Augusta National, that ball that just sat on the lip of the cup, flashing that infamous Nike swoosh across the world. And from that moment, Nike thought, wow, we have got our money. We have got our investment return right here. Just running that as an ad. As an ad. It was iconic. It was absolutely iconic. So in light of this, Sporting splits that hurt you. Sporting splits that hurt you or that made you sad. So Tiger and Nike have parted company. I'll tell you one, as a Dragons fan, you know what really upset me? Not upset me, but just made me feel a bit down in the dumps. It was when Brett Morris, I saw the video, hey guys, you know, Dragons fans, oh, he left. Brett Morris left the Dragons to go to the Bulldogs because I, I thought he'd be a Dragon for life and I hoped he'd be a Dragon for life and I still see him as a Dragon despite the, the Roosters' premierships. But that saddened me. Brett Morris leaving for the Dragons. Sporting splits that hurt you. Maybe Red Sox fans upset when Babe Ruth joined the Yankees. Mind you, you'd all be a bit too young to remember that. Wouldn't have been alive. Maybe Manly fans. Here's one for Manly fans. How did you feel? Sorry, Manly fans. West fans, I should say. How did you feel when Les Boyd joined the Sil Silver Tails? The aggressive Les Boyd left Wests and joined Manly. How did you feel about that? Maybe you're saddened by the separation of a power couple. I don't know. I wonder how Liverpool fans felt when Michael Owen left to join Man United. The answer to that question, from my perspective, who gives a rats? 0457 736 736 and that open line number, 1300 01 1170. Sporting splits that upset you in light of Tiger Woods and Nike parting company today and happy to get your thoughts. Continue to get your thoughts as well about this Australian 
debate or this debate about who the next Australian opener should be to replace David Warner. one 1170 the open line number, the text line number 0457 736 736. You're with Julian King on Summer Mornings.